0: Amen. Wow. Wow. That was just so, so beautiful. What a powerful reminder of uh, really what we're going to talk about tonight, and that is the grace of God, the, the old rugged cross. Uh, some of you remember that song. Some of you may not. Uh, I will cling to the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it one day for a crown. The cross is the ultimate intersection of the vertical and the horizontal. Uh, The touch of God in the lives of men and women. Bringing us the very best that heaven has and dealing with the very worst in us. Uh, It's a picture. You know, X marks the spot. Uh, the end of the worst in us, and the beginning of God's best for us. Let's praise God for the cross. Amen. Amen. We will never exhaust the wonder of the cross as we consider it, as we look at it, as we pray about it, and as we open our lives to it. Well, I'm uh, excited about getting into God's Word with you tonight. It was good to be with you this morning to, uh, to look at the beauty of the promises of God, that He calls us to be found in Him. Excuse me one moment. Uh, the, the whole picture of a lost and found. Uh, how beautiful to pray with people, to open their hearts to Jesus, to follow him, to walk with him, and to serve him. Uh, just the joy, and we want to continue to pray for those who were here this morning and who responded to the work of God in their life. Well, I was here a month ago, and I ask you to pray for my little granddaughter. Uh, the weekend that I was here was the week she was born, just a few days before I was with you. And she, uh, she had a number of challenges. You know, the doctors noticed four or five issues with her. One, the, uh, there were issues with her skull, uh, the size of her head they were concerned about, uh, which probably comes from my side of the family. <laughs> Uh, the flow in the umbilical cord was another issue. Uh, they felt it was too slow. They were worried. Uh, there were bright spots that they noticed on the baby as they did the ultrasounds. All in all, they told my daughter, uh, one doctor said, you know, you might want to consider not keeping the baby. She said, Dad, we're not going to get rid of this baby. We're going to, you know, believe God. And we got people to pray, and you prayed. Uh, many other people did as well. They, uh, there were also other concerns. They told her if it were only one of these, maybe it wouldn't be that big a deal. But because it's four or five, something is wrong. Something is seriously wrong. So when the baby was born, there were 12 doctors and nurses in the room. And when she was born, she, was, she weighed 3 pounds and 12 pounds ounces. Well, we want to show you a couple of pictures. We want to just take a moment or two to tell you the story. But to help me do that, I'm going to have my wife Pamela come up. Would you welcome her tonight? Um, and I will tell you that when we became grandparents two years ago, we have a little grandson, uh, Pamela said, you know, I don't know if I want to be called grandma. I don't know that I like grandma. So she thought about, you know, like, yah ya or You know, one of these other names, and she ended up with Nona, Nona. You know, it was sort of Italian. So when our it is Italian, sorry, sorry. So uh, so when our grandson first called her, no, said Ricky, say Nona. He said, oh, Nano. (laughs) So let me introduce you to Nano.
1: (laughs) It actually fits better.
0: Yeah, it does. Once you know me. (laughs) Yes, the Nano technology. But we have a couple of pictures up here.
1: Great. Aww little ones yes so if
0: you were there when the baby was born so why don't you share a little bit about uh, how how that occurred
1: well it there were so many different complications that the list went on forever um, pertaining to the disabilities that they were getting the two parents prepared for Um, primarily that the baby would be blind the baby would be deaf Um, there were these bright spots in her liver her stomach They were checking the brain to make sure that they weren't in the brain. And I happened to be, um, I had planned a trip. It happened to be the second doctor's appointment that Kara had gone to. In the first one, when they went through the list and told her everything, they had to lay her down because she almost passed out. She was so overwhelmed by the terrible news. So the second doctor's appointment, I was with her. And we. it felt like the whole world was praying at that point for, for this little one. Nora means bright light and so um, the doctors kept saying by that second appointment we don't understand what's going on the things we saw last week we don't see this week and I said so do you really understand what's happening and he said no you could just say we're curious so I'm squeezing Kara's hand every time they gave us a positive report and of course I couldn't keep quiet for very long when they kept talking about the bright spots because by that weekend, they admitted Kara. They kept telling us we might have to actually go through delivery. She was only at 25 weeks. And I said, but you don't understand. These bright spots, her name means bright light. She's just letting you know that she's coming, (laughs) that she's here. And um, we're just so grateful and thankful because we really believe that God has prepared her to be a bright light because he has done an incredible job of miracle in this little one's life.
0: We really are. When the baby was born, I mentioned there were 12 doctors and nurses. Mm -hmm. She was born, she was so little, uh, the first grandchild, three hours of labor to deliver. This one, I believe my daughter had to push three times and the baby was born, Uh, and when she came out, Some of the doctors gasped, and they said, oh, my goodness, she looks beautiful. She looks perfect. They were shocked. Uh, One of the doctors, my daughter texted because she had seen many of them over the months. She texted and said, how do you explain this? There were so many who were so concerned. The uh, doctor said, well, it could be this, it could be that. But she said, if you want me to be really, really honest with you, I believe the Lord touched her. I believe the Lord touched her. So we praise God.
1: For a doctor to say that. And
0: uh, now, just before I get into the message tonight, Pamela, there's there's a need that you have, that your uncle has, and I'm sure there are other people here tonight that have needs, and at the end of the service, we'll be able to pray for those.
1: It's wonderful to know that God doesn't just do one miracle for one family, but he's all about miracles all the time. And we do have a need in our family, but it's just a reminder of how God really touches and intervenes, and whatever is on your heart tonight, what miracle you need in your house tonight, we know that he is able. I have an uncle, I have two Uncle Bobs on either side of the family. I have one Uncle Bob that's highly intelligent, and he's been involved with, He's been the president of Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And then I have my other Uncle Bob, who is hilarious, and he (laughs) keeps us laughing. He's the one we're praying for. He actually has served on the Assemblies of God. He's been an Assemblies of God missionary for over 50 years and now works with David Grant's ministry. And um, this weekend was struck by a blood clot in the neck and has suffered a stroke and there are many complications, so we would ask that you would pray for him tonight mm. as he's in the hospital. And tomorrow, of course, we're praying for Pastor Wayne. Amen.
0: Amen. Why don't we take a moment just to, to pray for him and to pray for Pastor Wayne again, as I know you've been doing and will be doing tomorrow. Lord, we lift up uh, Bob Christie, you, and we pray that you would minister healing to him even now as he's gone through a stroke in the last couple of days, that you would raise him up. We also continue to lift up Pastor Wayne and uh, Sharon that you would surround them with your presence or that you would heal, that you would deliver. We believe the word of God that says, I am the Lord who heals you. Lord, even now, send your word and bring healing through your resurrection power. We believe it. We believe you for a great report for good news even by the end of the day tomorrow. And uh, we ask it in Jesus' strong name. Amen. 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 Well, tonight we're going to look at a word in the Bible that is so, such a loaded word. It's a word that's just full of so much. And uh, as we look at it, I've entitled the message, Don't Miss the Grace. There's a verse in Jonah that I'm actually not preaching on tonight, but, but it's worth mentioning. It's a verse I have never heard anyone preach on, but it's such an intriguing verse. And it's where Jonah said, uh, if we cling to worthless idols, we forfeit the grace that could be ours. If we cling to worthless idols, we will forfeit the grace that could be ours. It's almost like the grace of God, He, he wants us to grasp it, to take hold of it. But if we're clinging to idols, there's no way to do it. We're too full of too many other things to be able to take hold of Him and His grace, what He has for us, what He wants for us, what He wants to bring to us. You know, we look at grace, we call it amazing. And it is amazing, it is filled with so much. Uh, If you look at Galatians 1, we're going to look at Galatians 1, beginning with verse 1. Uh, Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God the Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. In other words, no good news at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, listen to this, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Now, how long has it been since you heard a preacher say that he would want somebody to be eternally condemned? It's not exactly the, what you expect to hear from a pulpit. But if you mess with the gospel, you are messing with the apostle Paul because he knew that the good news of Jesus had been bought at a great price. Jesus had paid the price, not only for us to be forgiven, but for us to be free, to be free. And he wants us to walk in that freedom. So as I mentioned this morning, the question was asked years ago, what's the most beautiful word in the English language? Reader's Digest did a Uh, a survey. And the number one word that came back was home. Home. Could you say that word with me? Home. You know, it it just has something about it. You know, we we talk about home. Now, homes are not perfect, but there's something about coming back home. But if you ask the question, what's the most beautiful word in the Bible, other than the, the wonderful name of Jesus, certainly the names of God, For me, it would be grace. Grace. Now, some have said grace is, and you've heard this, the acronym, God's righteousness at Christ. Does anyone know? Expense. So, in other words, God gives righteousness to us. Jesus paid for it, and it's given to us, and that is grace. And that's beautiful. Not only beautiful, it's clever, but there's a lot more to grace. As powerful as that is, there's even more to it. Grace It's like the the gift you open up and every time you reach in there, there's something new. There's something new. It's like, you know, we've heard the expression, the gift that keeps on what? Giving. Giving. It is that gift. And we even speak of grace gifts in the Bible. Uh, Charis, you know, grace gifts or charismata, uh, grace gifts that are given to us. Grace is the heart of God wanting to bless you. When Abraham obeyed God, You know, God said, Abraham, I want you to leave where you are. I want you to go somewhere else. And I'm not going to tell you where that is. I just want you to go. And he obeyed God. The Bible over and over again says, Abraham, God said do this. Abraham did it. God said do this. Abraham did it. So much so that Abraham one day said, Abraham, God said to Abraham, look at the stars of the sky. How many are there? Oh, Lord, there's so many. I don't even know. Look at the sand by the ocean. How many grains of sand? Lord, so many I don't even know. He said, I'm going to multiply you like that. He said, I'm going to bless you so much that you're going to be a blessing. Not only that, the Abrahamic blessing says, I'm going to bless you so much that you're going to be a blessing to the families of the nations of the earth. What a blessing. Don't you want, you know, how many of you want to be blessed, right? We want to be blessed, sure. And... Uh, I mean, you're not a good American if you don't want to be blessed, right? <laughs> you know? But that's, that's not quite fully Christian. Christian is, I want, to be a, I want to be blessed to be a blessing. And in many ways, you can make a case that the gospel is the restoration of the blessing of Abraham. Where Israel missed its full calling... And now God, through Jesus, is restoring it. And he's going to people even beyond the nation of Israel, to you and me, and saying, guess what? You get in on the Abrahamic blessing. One of the prayers that I pray the most often, over me, over my marriage, over Pamela and me, over our children, is, Lord, make us a blessing to the families of the nations of the earth. I pray that. Now, to whatever extent God does that, that's up to him. But I believe that blessing has been purchased for us through Jesus. And I want to I step into that fully. I don't want to miss that. So this word grace, it first appears in the Bible in uh, Genesis 6. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the middle of that incredible storm and all that was going on in the world, this beautiful Word that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, God saw him with grace. There's something of grace to learn when you look at children. Something about their simplicity. Something about their, their faith. I remember when I was driving in the car with my daughter Kristen one evening and I was a busy youth pastor several years ago in Rochester, New York and I'd had a full day Uh, planning for the youth service, practicing with the worship band, driving in the car with Kristen. It's the end of the day. She had not seen me all day. She was four years old, and it was the end of the night at church. You know, the pastor and their kids are the last to leave, and the youth pastor as well. Pamela is driving home with our little baby daughter, Kara. I'm in another car with Kristen. We're driving down East Avenue in Rochester, New York. We're driving. And I'm just tired. I just want to get home. I want to go by McDonald's, get something to eat, go home, you know, turn the news on or whatever and just chill out. And so I'm quiet looking at the road. All of a sudden, Christy's sitting next to her dad. She said, so, Dad, what did you do today? (laughs) And my adult mind's thinking, I don't know that I really feel like talking a lot right now. It's about 9.30. I'm really tired. But then I thought, look, at my, my daughter's trying to have a conversation with her dad. Come on, Dad. And then something hit me. I thought, I wonder what that little four-year-old thinks I actually do. And so I'm a question person, you know. So I had to ask her. I began to wonder. If I said, Kristen, what does Dad do, what she would actually say? She's probably not going to say, you're an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God, and you are the youth pastor of Bethel Full Gospel Church in downtown Rochester, New York. No, no. So I said, hey, I said, Christy, and she said, huh? I said, what does dad do? And her little blonde hair, blue eyes, her brow furrowed up, and she said, hmm, you sing, and, and she's really thinking, and, and you teach kids how to love Jesus. Oh, my God, I about drove the car off the road, Pastor Dave. I, uh, I had never heard anybody put my mission statement so clearly for my life. I've been to conferences. You've been to them where they write out your mission statement, get it down to like two paragraphs, a paragraph. She said, you teach kids how to love Jesus. And I thought I could get up in the morning to do that. And really, if you're a parent, you have a child, you have that calling as well. And even if you don't have children and you're investing in somebody's life, you have that calling on you that beautiful, that simple. There's something gracious about it. Uh, There was a book that was written a few years ago called Children's Letters to God and uh, just the things that children wrote. And one of them, Dear God, these are real letters from little children. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill people so much if they had their own bedrooms. (laughs) It works really well with me and my brother, Larry. (laughs) Dear God, I read the Bible. What does begat mean? Nobody will tell me. Allison. (laughs) I love this one. Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. Peter. Dear God, I do not think anybody could be a better God. Well, I just want you to know that I'm saying that not just because you're God, Charles. Here's another one. Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, I will give you anything you want except my money or my chess set. (laughs) Raphael. One more. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I could never do it. Nancy. (laughs) Well, children are amazing. We can learn a lot from them. Grace is amazing. It's astonishing. Let me just pour a couple of scriptures of grace over you. Psalm 84, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. Proverbs 1, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of your mother, for they will be an ornament of grace upon your head. Uh, Proverbs three thirty four. He gives grace to the humble. Uh, Acts four thirty three. And with great power, he gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Romans five twenty. Where sin abounds, grace does much more what? Abound. One theologian said, where sin abounds, grace superabounds. It overcomes. It helps us. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. What a God that even in our weakness can reveal his strength. I believe this. All of us have been given strengths. Look at the person next to you and say, you have a strength. Probably several. But you've also been given a weakness. Some weaknesses. Things that you don't do as well. And we we tend to know what those are. I believe we've been given strengths to serve God. I believe we have weaknesses to keep us depending on God, to keep us relying on Him. And I believe that's what Paul was learning when God said, my grace will be sufficient for you. Well, this uh, passage that we read a moment ago was to the church at Galatia. Now, Galatia was an interesting place and church because they had heard the gospel of Jesus. And they had experienced the freedom of God. They had been told that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your sins will be forgiven, you'll have freedom, you'll have joy in your life, you'll have salvation, you can live your life with God and for God. Well, there was a group of people, a group of Jews that followed behind Paul. And they tried to twist what he said. They would come into cities where he had preached. They were now referred to as the Judaizers, They would come in and say, yeah, what Paul preached is good, but he left some things out. The truth is, you still have to fulfill all the law. So if you want to go to heaven, all the men have to be circumcised. Can you imagine having to add that to an altar call? (laughs) Well, Paul learned about this, and he became furious. I invite you to read the whole book of Galatians. It's a short book. But it has some very potent language in it where Paul becomes very incensed because people are messing with the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. In that book, he talks about standing fast in the freedom wherein Christ has made you free. You know, the Bible tells us that he whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Jesus came not only to save you, but to give you freedom. Jesus wants you and me to live thoroughly free. You say, does that mean to do anything I want? It means to live and to know Him so intimately that He changes you and you begin to do the things that He wants because you want to do them. When you get to know Him and you and I get to know Him, we want more of what He wants. Our desires change. The will of God moves from duty to delight. There's an internal freedom that grace brings to us. You know, one definition of grace could be this. The God-given strength and ability to do God's will, God's way. The God-given strength and ability to do God's will, God's way. And as I looked at this uh, book years ago, I began to see this, um, this equation emerge. Because what Paul was saying to the Judaizers The grace of God is sufficient. The grace of God is not just enough, it's more than enough. The grace of God. We are candidates for the grace of God. We need it, don't we? You know, I need grace as a parent. I need grace as a husband. I need grace as a worker. I need grace as a citizen. I need grace every day of my life. God giving me strength, God giving me wisdom, God giving me guidance, giving me what it takes to live the Christian life. God doesn't want you just to work at your Christianity. He wants you to flow in your Christianity, to be led by the Spirit, to be full of the grace of God. The grace of God wants to cause us to abound in every good work. You know, uh, you've, you've heard out the, uh, the song, the seven dwarfs whistle while you work. You remember that? Yeah, I heard somebody whistling. How about worship while you work? Joy, joy. Everything we do with joy, full of the Spirit of God. So I began to notice that there's an equation that Paul really reveals in Galatians. And it's this, when you add to grace, you subtract from Christ. When you add to grace, you subtract from Christ. What Paul was saying is when you Judaizers came in and said, Oh, yeah, there's forgiveness, there's salvation, but you have to do this and do this and do this and do this, walk this line, this line, this line, this line. You're telling people that they're going to earn their way to God. You could never do that. I'm lost without Jesus. I'm empty without Jesus. I am nothing without Jesus. Jesus is everything, He's my hope. He's my salvation. He's my Savior. He's my guide. He's that for us. And He wants to be our all in all. He doesn't want to be a part of our lives. He wants us to find life in Him. He is our life. He is not only the way of life, but He is our life. So when you move beyond grace, you move away from Jesus. You move away from Him and His will, His way. No grace, no gospel. If your gospel doesn't have grace, it's a perverted gospel. And Paul would say, you have been deceived. You see, I believe that God wants us to live the kind of Christianity that doesn't get up every day and say, oh my goodness, I've got to pray, I've got to pray, I've got to pray, I've got to pray. But to wake up and say, oh, I get to pray. I get to pray. In the name of Jesus, I have access to the throne of God. And even a 7, 8-year-old child that believes in Him, they begin to pray in the name of Jesus and heaven opens up to them and the ear of God inclines to them and the resources of God are made available to them and the Spirit of God can fill and use them. Can you say amen? Grace. The gospel of grace. Make no mistake. Those that add to grace, they're the enemies of God. Anyone who would mess with the gospel is messing with God. Because he sent his son to bring a clear gospel to you and me, to set people free. And how dare we make it more cumbersome than Jesus intended for it to be. Jesus didn't say, you know, one day when you get your act together, then maybe I'll do something for you. You know, I, you, you get your act together and then I'll do something good for you. The Bible says, while we were yet Sinners, Jesus died for us. Saw us helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. He said, you know what your number one problem is? You need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. You need someone to lead you. You may be here, you may be the most successful person business-wide here, but you could be distant from God in your spirit. Distant from Him and walking with Him. It's the gospel of grace. So, when you add to grace, you what? Subtract from Christ. But not only do you do that, you divide the body of Christ. You divide the body of Christ. When you begin to say that all my rules in my life, you have to be just like me. When you begin to do that, and you begin to tell other people that they have to be just like you, and do everything just like you, that becomes a legalistic thing. We divide the body. Division comes when we care more about man's approval than God's approval. God does not want a divided body. He wants a unified body. And the place where we become unified is at the cross of Jesus Christ. We cling to the old rugged cross. The ground is level at the cross. Every one of our strata in society all the things we say, well, this person's here, this. You know, when, when I pastored in New England, I was near an Air Force base, and we would open up the altars for prayer. People would come and pray. You would see a, a military leader next to a raw recruit. Sometimes a raw recruit praying over the, the leader in the military. Why? Because the ground's level at the cross. Division comes when we're more zealous about our traditions than God's provisions. You see, salvation, grace, walking with God, isn't about us working our way up to God. It's about the fact that He has come to us, that He is working within us, that He is guiding us. Uh, I love what one uh, African-American preacher said that I heard years ago. He said, you know what? This is the gospel. Somebody became nobody so that a bunch of nobodies could become somebody. Somebody. Somebody, Jesus, became nobody. He humbled himself, took on the form of a servant, so that a bunch of nobodies, you and me, could become somebody through him. All that we are that matters is what Jesus has made us to be and what he's making us to be, what he's building us to be. Those are the things that will last. Division comes when we get our eyes on man and off of God. So, walk through the equation with me again. When you add to Christ, you when you add uh, to grace, you subtract from Christ, you divide the body, and you know what else you do? You multiply your burden. You make, you put unnecessary burdens on yourself. Unnecessary burdens. Some of you are here, and you're a mom, and you have little kids at home, and you've been working on a devotional routine in the mornings where you get up and you sort of figured it out. What time your kids wake up and you get up one morning and it's been going really well for like three days. You're on a roll. Oh, this is so good. I get 30 minutes in God's Word and prayer. And then that fourth morning comes and you have one of your toddlers that wakes up early. And you oh, no. And immediately you're feeling, Lord, this was going so good. I was so looking forward to getting my coffee and sitting down and reading my Bible before the kids woke up. And now it feels like your day is off. Let me tell you, Jesus understands that. Jesus knows all of that. He doesn't say, oh, you're less of a Christian today because that happened. No, you know what? As you've been receiving grace, now is the opportunity for you to give it. You've been soaking up so that you now are able to give it out. And Jesus sees that, and you're able to do that as an act of worship to God, as an act of worship to him. His grace being all around you, working in and through you, filling you and leading and guiding you. We multiply our burden unnecessarily when we add to grace. What I want to encourage you to do is open up the grace of God. Let God help you see the wonder and the beauty and the majesty that there is in the grace of God. There is so much that is in it that He wants to bless you with. So much of His goodness and His blessing. Well, you say, well, what do I multiply if I add to grace? Well, you multiply bondage in your life. Religion enslaves. Relationship will keep you free in Jesus. You know, when when Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation in, I believe, 1861, I believe it was. When he issued that, was every slave in the United States free in that moment? Officially they were, right? When it came to governmental statement, they were, but they were not practically for several reasons. Some had not heard the word yet because communication was slow. Others, the slave masters, became even more demanding, and they were resistant to the idea. Many just simply had not known. But do you know when they did become free, then guess what the next stage of life became? Learning how to live free. Can you imagine what it must have been like for someone who had been a slave for years and years, and maybe even their ancestors had been slaves? And now they leave that place and they go to a world of learning how to live free. All over America, they opened up these freedmen colleges to help uh, slaves that had been freed to learn how to take care of their own, their own ground, their farm, all those things, to learn how to handle their money, all of those areas, teaching them how to live free. And you know it occurred to me? That's what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to help us learn how to live free. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So Jesus wants you and me to be free. He wants us to walk in that liberty. Well, not only does your bondage become multiplied when you add to grace, your pressures in life become multiplied. When your expectations are here and your reality is here, what do you have in the middle? Stress. When your expectation in life is here and your reality is here, the chasm is stress. The only way to reduce the stress is either to change your expectations or to change your reality. And life as a Christian often involves both of those. Because our minds begin to tell us things that the Bible never told us. And we begin to say, oh, if, if I'm really going to have God's blessing, I, this has to be like this and this like this and this like this. And there are so many times I think we'd be much better to just take all of our busyness for a few minutes, lay it aside, and just come back to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I need you and I need your grace. And we would find that he's more than willing to pour it over us. He's not waiting for us to bang out time on a treadmill He's waiting for us to come and absorb Him, His presence, His gifts, His grace. You multiply your loads unnecessarily. Religion sets aside the grace of God and relationship clings to it for dear life. It's the freedom that God brings to you and me. So this beautiful word, grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin, grace that comes from God and that that fills us up, that gives us opportunity to know Him and to walk with Him. And we find out that there's so much more that we have available to us than we ever, ever could have imagined. And it comes in the the presence of the grace of God. Well, the Bible in uh, 1 Peter 5.10 says that God is the God of all grace. He's the God of all grace. Look at that verse in 1 Peter. He is called the God of all grace. In other words, within his very person, there is grace available for you and me to serve him and to do his will and to walk with him. You say, now what does that mean for Monday morning? What does that mean for tomorrow? How does it make a difference in the way I live my life tomorrow? It means to realize about ourselves that we tend to get into a rut of believing a works-based gospel, of believing that if I just do this and do this and do this, then God is gonna be pleased. And do you know what we do? We lose our joy. We lose our freedom. We don't become as pleasant to be around as we used to be because we become like the Pharisees, you know, banking it out, and looking, looking at spirituality. Let me ask you this. Have you ever met a person that was really spiritual, but they weren't very loving. You ever met a person that tells you all about the spiritual things they're doing, but they don't really treat people well? What do you call that person other than obnoxious? (laughs) You call them a person that really is moving into legalism. They're moving into a works-based gospel. You and I, God has given a free gospel of grace to One thing that really helps to sum it up is the final verse in all of the Bible. The very last verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to take just a a little time together to open these altars because I'm aware on a night like this that there are people that say, I need the grace of God. I need it in the way I'm living my life. I need it on the job. Some of you feel overwhelmed and stressed and you need that fresh sense of the grace of God over you. Some in a relationship or in some aspect of your life. The grace of God. I believe it's almost like Jesus wants us just to take a deep breath of His grace. To breathe in the freedom that He has purchased through His blood so that we no longer have to live under the burden. The Bible says, stand fast in the freedom wherein Christ has made us free. And don't get caught up again in the yoke of bondage. Don't get caught up again in the burden of bondage. Don't get caught up again in the the stress of the bondage that comes from that. So where do we go? Where do we go? We go to the throne of grace. Let us therefore, the Bible says, come boldly unto the, say it with me, the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is what you and I need to be doing several times every day. Coming and saying, God, this problem that I'm feeling, I'm coming to you for grace. And I'm not just coming, I'm coming boldly. You don't have to apologize when you come. It's as if God says, Come on. Come on, there's more than enough. Uh, The water's great, the blessings are here, and I'm here for you. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's let our hearts turn to the God of grace. The God who loves us has purchased every good thing that we need from Him tonight. He's here. Whatever you're walking through, whatever burden you're bearing, whatever weight you have on your shoulders, whatever struggle you may be walking through, whatever worry or anxiety you are dealing with, Jesus cares about your freedom, your freedom, being free from sin, walking in a relationship with Him, but free to the depth and the core of your being to live in His presence. If you put unnecessary burdens on yourself, expectations that have weighed you down, And they've kept you from walking freely in God. What I want to encourage you to do is to say I want to drink deeply of the grace of God. I want to walk by the grace of God, live by the grace of God, speak by the grace of God, serve by the grace of God. Live in the grace of God. It is more than enough. Jesus paid the highest price for it on the cross and He wants you and me to know about it and experience it, to feel it in our person and to walk within it within our lives. If you're here and you need to release your burden to God and take hold of his grace a little more deeply, I'm going to encourage you to stand right where you are. Just want to pray for you. Just stand one by one right where you are. I want to drink deeply of the grace of God. I want to walk more fully in that grace. I'm acknowledging with you, and I'll tell you, I do it. I get caught up in this, and I have to be reminded again and again, To not walk in the flesh, but to walk in the Spirit. If that's you, say, I'm not going into this week without the grace of God. Just stand to your feet. I'm walking in His grace. I'm standing in His grace. God, let me be a person that absorbs your grace. Let me be a person that lives in the grace of God. Some of you, you might even feel guilty about standing. Well, maybe somebody else needs it more than I do. Let me tell you, Jesus cares about you. He wants you to experience that grace and to walk in it. So just stand. Just stand. Drink deeply of it. Drink deeply of it. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I'm waiting because people are still standing. Drink deeply of his grace. Just begin to thank him and praise him. Lord, I thank you for your grace. You bought it on the cross. It's so wonderful. It's the way you want us to live. It's the freedom to be able to say that I am what I am by the grace of God. You are what you are by the grace of God. We are becoming what God wants us to be by His grace. And I love you. I accept you. Welcome you to walk with me. Hallelujah. I just want to pray over all of you that have stood. I want to pray God's blessing over your life. And could we just come together, those of you that have stood, could you just come and stand here at the front for a minute? And I just want to pray God's grace and blessing over you and your family. That we walk into this week more free than we lived last week, with more joy than we had last week. That our witness would be shining bright because of the freedom that's in the depth of who we are. God never intended for anyone to have to pretend like they're a Christian or to have to just look Christian in what they do. He wants you to experience it to the depth of your soul. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. If you're still there and you feel like you need to be in on this prayer, just come. Just come. Come and stand. Praise God. I wish I knew how to articulate how deep the love of Jesus is for all of us. How He feels about us. That He would take such a journey to come into our lives and to bring us close to Him. I want to encourage you to just put your hands out in front of you as a sign of receiving from him and looking to him. Lord, we come to you tonight and we're so glad that you're the God of all grace. (laughs) The God that has more than enough. You want to give us the, the joy, the freedom of knowing that our sins are forgiven. You want to give us the joy that's overflowing. Not enough joy just for me, but enough for it to overflow so other people experience it as well. I pray for people that are dealing with stresses, difficulties in relationships, uh, financial challenges and worries and concerns, decisions that they're making that are feeling overwhelming to them, Lord. Pray that you tonight would bring a fresh touch of your grace into these lives. Jesus, that you would bring that fresh joy, the peace that passes all understanding. He says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will hold you up in my righteous right hand. Would you do that tonight, Lord? Do it in every life. I want to encourage you just to repeat a simple prayer after me right out loud to everyone here tonight. Dear God, God, I need you so desperately. I need you so desperately. I have a tendency to do things my way.
1: But Jesus is the way. But Jesus is the way. Would you
0: help me to follow you? Would
1: you help me to follow you?
0: Help me to learn your ways of life. Help me to learn your ways of life. Help me to know that I'm forgiven through only through you. Help me to know that I'm forgiven only through you. Remove all of my sin. Remove all of my sin. Help me to have a deep awareness of your forgiveness. Help me
1: to have a deep awareness of your forgiveness. I put my
0: full trust in Jesus help me not to try to add something to what you've already done but to celebrate what you have done to celebrate what you have done the glorious gift of grace the glorious gift of grace i receive it, receive it. open my heart up to it open my heart up to, to it you, lord. to you lord to your goodness to your, goodness. To your blessing, to your, blessing. To, your grace. to your grace and i receive it fully In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now look up here just one moment. Now this is Sunday night. Tomorrow is going to be Monday morning. And I will tell you as sure as we're standing here tonight that tomorrow morning, those scripts in your mind that want to bring you down and create unnecessary burdens for you are going to come back. They're going to knock on your door and say, get back in the cycle of this kind of thought And putting your expectations here when your reality is here. Jesus wants to work in that part of our lives. He cares about the freedom of our souls. He whom the Son sets free, as I said earlier, is free indeed. And He wants you and me to enjoy that. So I encourage you to take the Word of God and let the Word of God begin to replace those things that would pull you down, those thoughts that would wear you down, that would hurt you, I remember one time when Pamela was walking through this. And she was really, she was a busy mom and so much going on. And the Lord gave her a word that you've heard before. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I would go into the bathroom and it was on a post-it note on the mirror. I would go in the kitchen and it was on a cabinet door. I would go on the treadmill and it was on the treadmill. And she said, the Lord not only spoke that word to me, but it's like he caused it to explode. And I began to see what I really needed to walk through life is the word of God to be a lamp to my feet. The next step would come through him and come through him and come through him. And I got to tell you, not only did she get a new scripture, I got a new wife. (laughs) Because God did some beautiful things in her spirit through that. And he's there. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit would be our coach that he would comfort us, that he would remind us of the things that Jesus said. So he'll do that. And he's going to do that for you and me. I'm going to ask everyone to stand and let's just begin to praise God for his goodness, sing a chorus of worship to him. But as you do, seal that commitment. Lord, tomorrow is going to be different. Tomorrow, I'm not going to get on that treadmill. I'm not going to add to grace tomorrow. Remind me tomorrow, Holy Spirit, of the grace of God, that it is all by your grace. Now, we don't ever want to impose on that grace and say, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I want because God will forgive me. That's not grace. Grace changes us so that we want to do what he wants. But it brings a freedom that people will look at us and they will want what we have. They will begin to inquire about the freedom that we have. We live in a world that is overwhelmed with anxiety. It is increasing. Let's soak up his grace. Let's walk in it. And let's honor the God of all grace. Let's sing a chorus as we close tonight. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior. are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has rest on me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending joy amen hallelujah Well, as we go tonight, there are people here that are here to pray for you. If any of you would like special prayer, please come and please uh, receive that tonight. But as we go tonight, let's remember to keep Pastor Wayne and Sharon in prayer tomorrow. Big day. We pray the grace of God covers them tomorrow and that it brings healing and the touch of God in wonderful ways. Go in the grace of God and live in it with joy. God bless you.